This is the first Christmas service for 1C Church. Come on now. Come on. We're still in business because God is our investor. We're still in business because Jesus has a plan, and we're still here. People didn't think we'd make it to Christmas, at least in my mind. See, in my mind, when somebody tells me I can't do it, that makes me work harder. This makes me go harder. That's just the way I've always been. I don't like people saying, it's not going to happen. I say, oh, yeah? Well, I'll just do more. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a bittersweet relationship with that personality trait. But we're here, and a year has gone by like that. And as Michelle mentioned, in January, we're celebrating our first one-year anniversary already. It's exciting. That's all right. You can clap for that. That's a big deal. It's like a, it's like a baby. My sister, yesterday, I see her sometimes, sometimes, not very often. She says, so, so what, do you, what do you think God did this first year? Are you happy with everything God did? Is that Leah and Doug? Oh, my. Praise the Lord. Good to see you guys. Wow. We got some old school family in the house today. The Romes in the house, they are mentors of my family, and, and they're, blood, they're, like, they're like blood church family from way back in the day. Guy Rome dedicated me when I was an infant. Jim Rome baptized me when I was probably 10. It was a night church service, and I didn't, I'm totally digressing here. It's okay, it's Christmas. And it was a church service at night, and there was, I don't know, a few hundred. And when you're 10, it looked like a few thousand. And I remember they, they, they're getting ready to dunk me under the water. I look over, and there's all these people praying. I'm like, whoa, what is that? where'd they came from? You know, I, did, I didn't know what was going on. But it was the most memorable experience because the whole Lord was praying as I got baptized by Brother Jim, uh, Bob's brother. So we're so grateful to have you guys. But it's Christmas, and I lost track of where I was going before. That's okay. We'll just go right into the point here. How many like presents? You know, Christmas is all about presents, right? It's, it's all about the gifts, right? It's all about material things and the shopping and everything. And if you're Vincent, it's like it's about getting the gifts. No, it's not really. But when you're a kid, if you were like me, I was very blessed. And, and when I was plotting the days down to Christmas, I knew the gifts would be there. I didn't question would the gifts be there. I knew they would be there. I didn't do Santa Claus. I did mom and dad. Mom and dad bought the gifts. I knew the gifts would be there because my mom and dad never let me down. And, and I knew that because that was my experience with my relationship with my parents. They, they always delivered on their promise. And, and some, some people didn't have that, that, that fortune, that, that blessing. Some people maybe didn't ever have a tree. They didn't have anything. They didn't have Christmas. And, and that was their expectation. That's, that's what they knew. They, they expected that because that's, that's how they knew it. But if, if whatever it is you knew, that's what you thought would be because that's, that's been your experience. You wouldn't question different. And as a kid, uh, I was a little obsessed. I've, I've done a 180 in my, in my, my old age. I'm turning 40 next month. I'm the baby. Turning 40 next month. The baby's turning 40. We're getting old. Life's going on. And in my, my grown age now, I, I, like, I, I don't want anything to do with the gifts. It makes me crazy. I, I'm all about like... Christmas, you know, like the real meaning and everything and, and everything. And, and, and my kids want to just do some fun stuff. And I'm, I'm just like spent because I was so obsessed with it as a kid, as, as an adult. I did 180. But one thing I can tell you, as a child, I never questioned if my parents would deliver the promise on Christmas morning. I knew it was coming. I didn't care where. I didn't care how. I just knew it would be there. And that was enough. It's kind of like 
the promises of God in our life. He says they'll be there. He said I'd send a Messiah. He said, I'll deliver you if you wait and you endure, but when we don't know if he's going to show up or things aren't looking how they should be, we start questioning, is he really going to deliver the package? But he's, a, he's our spiritual daddy. He's our father. Why would we question our spiritual father if we trust our earthly mother and father to give us bread, not a stone? But we, we tend to do that with more serious matters. We question whether, is the promise... Is, is the church really going to grow? Are people really going to come? I've had that thought. This is, this is a good turnout. And there's many times I said, are people going to come? I don't know. I don't know, but I believe God will honor his promise. And when you get in dire straight situations and you're, you're heartbroken over family or whatever it may be, you start questioning, is God going to deliver on his promise? It's a common instinct of the human nature. But God's promise is pure. And when you feel those doubts, it's, it's important not to forget the source of who's delivering your promise. It's Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You think he's going to let you down on your promise? Your promise may look, not look like what you're envisioning is maybe the real issue. It's like Vincent mentioned, perspective. Maybe the promise isn't packaged like you think it should be with a nice, pretty bow. But the best presents sometimes are in a stinky barn not in a bow. Maybe it's in the barn. If we go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, everybody's heard this story. It's, it's the coming of the Messiah, born in a manger. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, engaged, before they came together, I'll leave it at that, before they knew each other before they, I can't say any much more. If you don't know what that means, it means before they had relations, okay? She was found with a child. What? She's pregnant? No, she didn't. Oh, no, she didn't. Where's Jerry Springer? No, she didn't do that to me. Oh, I'm going to get there in a second before I would let it go. Really let it go how I feel about that. I'm going to get through the scripture. She was found with the child of the Holy Spirit when they were just engaged, and they had not known each other. So she had a baby, but they had not known each other. You see, you see something's, something's not right. There's something not lining up here. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and obviously a patient man, not I, wanting to make her a public, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He was going to break it off privately so he didn't make her look bad like the woman that was caught in the act, and they wanted to stone her. He didn't want to make her an example. He just wanted to quietly break it off go back to online dating or whatever it was he was doing. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit, God, same thing. God conceived the child in her womb. Joe, chill, bro. It's not what you think. She's not a shady lady. She conceived of the, of the Lord. God conceived by the Spirit of the Lord. The baby. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Jehovah saves. Jesus, Greek. 
Yahshua, Hebrew, Jehovah saves, is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, it was promised by the, through the prophet, it was promised by God, saying, Behold, the virgin, the one who you didn't know yet, shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused in his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He went through with it. It's crazy. Did not know her until she had brought forth the firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He didn't break it off. I think he's crazy, if you really want to know. The title of my message, though, is The Promise Keeper. The Promise Keeper. And even when you're in doubt today, hold fast to God's promises. The Promise Keeper. The prophet spoke. And a child shall be born. He shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus is the promise keeper. God is the promise keeper. But let's be honest for a second, okay? Let's just get real for a second. Let's bring it up to 2018. Where's my wife? Okay, I can't use her. That would be too weird. Figuratively speaking, we got engaged. You what? You are pregnant? What? How would, that, how would you guys handle that? I don't, I don't think it'd be good for... I'm making it look nice right now. There'd probably be, I'd probably take off my Christian coat here, and I'd, I'd be the devil for a minute, because I don't think I could handle that. That's, that'd be a hard test of faith. But God knew Joseph was wiser, because he wasn't reactive before he was insightful. When we are reactive, what do we do? We get mad. We say, that's it. It's the wrong thing. Let's go find another solution. Oh, she's a cheater. She's a shady lady. How'd she do that? She cheated on me. She's unfaithful. On and on and on. But he was slow to react, and because of that, he saw what God was trying to do and was insightful, and he made the right decision because he was insightful instead of reactive. But it's our instinct to be reactive, especially when something that big happens. I mean, it's only happened once and ever in the history of man that your, your, your um, fiancé was pregnant by the Spirit of the Lord. I mean, how many can that happen to? And it's the first time you had to deal with that. And so, so that'd, be, that'd be awkward. It's stressful. His fiance was prego. They hadn't, you know, done that. And when we hit those stressful situations, it's easy to be reactive. It's always easier to run than to stand strong. It's always easier to do what the world says because it's easy. It's hard to do what God says because it takes faithfulness. It takes work. This is my other outfit. You didn't see the one for setup. It's, it's, it's sweaty. It's stanky. It's like, it's like that barn. You don't see that. But it's, it's rewarding because God delivers on his promises. And if you want to receive God's promise, you have to stay faithful instead of running with the world. Stay insightful. What am I doing? What's my focus? What is God trying to show me through this trial, through this tribulation, through this promise that just seems to never show up? God says, stick with me, and I'll show you. Even when in doubt, hold fast to my promise. Joseph had all the reasons in the world to react badly. 
and things didn't look good. And I don't think you could have talked me out of it. I would have been on to, like I said, Dr. Phil, Jerry Springer, something. It just wouldn't have worked out for me. But Joseph was insightful, and he heard the voice of the Lord. Withholding the urge to give in takes patience and faith. And we saw that Joseph was patient. You can't listen to the voice of God when you're reacting. You know, when you get mad at somebody. Can you remember everything? When you get really, who, who gets really mad? Anybody ever get like really mad? Ben, you probably can't get too mad in those planes. Probably wouldn't go well. I bet you Ben, Ben's a pilot. And I bet you when Ben's flying those planes, he has trained himself to stay insightful in the heat of, mo- in the heat of panic. Because if he gets reactive, bad things might happen. He has to instinctually stay focused. Reactive meaning emotional, worked up. Oh, Lord, what, what am I going to do? Blank. All the buttons look the same. Which one do I press? I don't know if that's really how it is. That's just, you know, that's what ignorant people who don't know about airplanes think. Me. <laughs> you can't listen and focus on God's insight he's trying to share with you when you're reacting in the situation. You have to be slow to speak, quick to listen, as James said. And even when in doubt, hold fast to the promise of God. Joseph could have so easily listened to the world, but he chose not to. He chose to be insightful. And because of that, mankind had an opportunity for redemption. What if Joseph had to change his mind? What if the whole thing got messed up? I mean, it, it couldn't because it's God's will, but figuratively speaking, it would have messed it up for all of us. Had, had Joseph just panicked and said, forget this woman, it's all about me, because it's all about me, all about me, not Jesus. When the music fades, you guys remember that song? It's all about me. I used to drive Michelle crazy. I'd make a joke in the car. We'd come home from church. You know, the song is, because it's all about you. And I'd say, it's all about me. Just, just drive her crazy. But that's, that's kind of, I'd be singing it that way if, 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 if my fiance had been doing that. So thankfully, he didn't. And God knew he would not. That's why he chose Joseph. And some of you are at that point with, with other situations, and you're just a few steps from the finish line. You're just a few steps from seeing the promise. You're about to pull the plug. You're just a few steps. You don't want to run no more. When my dad was a kid, he told me this story about White Castle. Best food on the planet. Healthiest food on the planet. If you lived in the South, it was called Crystal. It was a White Castle that was in a different box. It was a different company, but the hamburgers looked the same. They tasted slightly different, Nate. But, you know, sliders, belly bombs, whatever you want to call them, not good, unless you're really tired or whatever. And my dad just wanted to go to White Castle, he said. Is he in here? I don't know if he'll remember this, but he said his dad promised to take him to White Castle. And day after day, I might be getting this slightly wrong, Dad, so after church, it's just I'm doing the best I can to remember it, but if I might, you know, it might not be perfect, Dad. But day after day, his dad would say, we're going to go to White Castle. Just, just bear with me. Well, my dad's not eating. He's, you know, he's, he's ramping up to get that, whatever, 60-pack Crave Case. They had them back then in the 60s, 50s, whatever it was. Finally, Grandpa says, you ready to go, Danny? He said, Dad, I already ate. What, what do you mean? We're going to White Castle. I told you I was going to take you. Dad, you took too long. I was hungry. 
Now, justifiably so, I would have ate too. But some of you are that way. When you're right at the finish line, you're right about to get to go to White Castle, and you're about to step off the racetrack. You're about to throw in the towel because it doesn't look right to you. But God says it's not how it looks to you. It's how it looks to me. What looks good to me is a stanky barn, allergens, animals. I'm an allergic mess. I can't even imagine. I'm going to say this is not God's will standing in that barn. I would have been questioning something. But God says, I don't think like you. I made you. You can't think like me. You can't understand me. I don't have a counselor. Are you crazy, boy? The perfect gift was in a manger. The promise was in a manger. And some of you are looking on Amazon still for the promise, and it's not going to be there. It's going to be some good knockoffs for a couple days, but the promise is in the manger. It's not on Amazon. It's not coming to your door. You got to go to it. You got to walk a journey. The, the wise men walked a while to get to the promise. Why? Because they knew. You know, Herod, you know, Herod got mad when the, when, the, when the baby was born and he knew there was a threat to his kingship. And so he went seeking the child, not because he wanted to worship the Messiah, because he wanted to kill the baby. See, they knew, just like you know when you're a kid what your parents are going to deliver, they knew that God had prophesied a Messiah. And even though he wasn't happy about it, he believed. And when he believed, he took action on it because he knew the word. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophet. He knew the baby was due to come, and he knew it was here. Herod, do you believe God has a promise? Can you get it out of your mind on how it looks and just keep saying, it's going to come? It will come. There's things that have happened to me personally this year that I totally did not forecast good, bad, great, horrible, all kinds of things. But I look back, and my answer to my sister was, yes, God has done amazing things in this church in this first year. But you're not going to, I'm telling her, you're not going to understand that because you didn't feel God doing those things, you know, you didn't, you didn't feel it when you were flipped in the truck and there's, you hear sirens and you, and you're wondering, what are you doing? Are you going to lose your family over a church? And why are you doing this? And you should just quit because it's, you're going to kill yourself in a car wreck for some church. People are going to come to church. They're good. You're wasting your time, says the devil. See, he was trying to stop me. He's trying to stop you. He doesn't want you to come. Just come on Christmas. Don't come back next month. Don't come back next week. Just come once a year. You're good. I wrote a post last night. Faithfulness is consistent. Faithfulness is not once in a while. I'm just saying. Michelle, I'll see you in a month. I'm going to go hang out with somebody else. How would that go? Not good. Faithfulness is consistent. I'm not talking about physical logistics of being around each other. I'm talking about faithfulness in your heart. And when you're faithful to God, you stay faithful to his promise because he says, I will deliver a promise to you. I will deliver a Messiah to you. You got to wait for the promise. And if you don't like the way it looks, then so be it. But the promise is going to come. You keep believing any, any, even when the world says you're a fool. You're just a few steps to the finish line. Stay on the track. Jesus is the finisher of our faith. You need Jesus to run this race. But if you stay on the track, the promise will come like it did in the manger. We hit a speed bump and we just want to stress out and throw in the towel. That's the reactive thing again. All the time and work put in, we just 
run away right before the finish line. Like, here's this tape. There's a finish line. Oh, the music wasn't good enough today. Oh, my guitar was out of tune. There's the line. There's the line. See, see when you cross the line, God takes you into another layer of your sanctification, your walk. He, he takes you on another level. Now what was back there is like, really? That doesn't bother me anymore. You grew. You grew in your Christian walk. You were sanctified. You're growing in wisdom. You're becoming more insightful. But if you never want to cross the line out of step one, step two, step 10, step 5,000, you keep going until the promise comes. And guess what? Then there's an more. It never ends if you really want to know. But it's rewarding, and you can't find fulfillment if you don't keep running the race. Hold on to my promise, Joseph. I got something special in this baby. She's not, she's not the shady lady like you think. Trust me, Joe. I got a special baby in there. Some of you are doing some things right now, and the world says you're going to fail. There's no such thing as failure. There's opportunity to grow. The most successful people fail. But you know why they succeed long-term? It's because they get up and go again. They keep going. Their only true failure is quitting and doing nothing. Don't stop before the finish line. What's funny is sometimes what you think is a reason to quit is God giving you the promise. Ooh, I'm going to have to do what? What? I don't know if that's sinking in. See, we're praying for God's will. We're praying for the promise. We're praying for growth. We're praying for all these things. God, give me an anointing so I can preach good. Give me all these things, God. He says, okay, well, there's some steps. You're going you're gonna to feel some things along the way. Because if you don't feel the bumps, you're not going to learn, pastor. I want you to do it for real. You want my will? Okay, be careful what you ask for. It's real. But when you learn to adapt to that way of growing in God, his way, you start losing the pressure because it's on him. It's not, it's not on us no more. It's on him. I know if I stay faithful, God's got it. My prayer's with legs. I pray, but I plant. Do you know what I mean? I pray, but I plant also. Sometimes I feel like if I just, you know, I pray, but then I don't, I don't do anything. God said, well, you got you to plant. You're praying to me. I'm trying to, here's some seed, go plant it. Got to stay faithful even when the promise looks distant because you're almost to the finish line. You need to eliminate the need to know what it looks like and just know it will come to pass. And when you're down and out on your promise, maybe this Christmas is a bad thing for you. Maybe you don't have family. Maybe some people, we got people that come to church here, their family doesn't live around here. They're lonely. You know, when you're alone, it's, it's the worst time. That's when the devil attacks your mind is, is when you're isolated. That's why they throw the people in solitary confinement. They make them crazy because then they get their mind all to themselves. And that's when the devil says, fresh meat. That's when you look back to the word, when you feel empty. You know, the Bible, 
I know, I know it's weird, those paper things. Now they got apps for it. You can swipe to it. You can look up on our webpage. You can Google it. Make sure you get a Jesus Bible. That's what I want to, you know, make sure it's a Jesus Bible. But however you get to it, when you're feeling starving and you're full of doubt and you think the promise is never going to come, look back to the word. That's your food. That's your seed. That's like starving without it. I do it all the time. I have a problem. You think I'd learn. Oh, I can go a couple more weeks without being as dedicated to the word. And then I start drying up. No, I can't. He is my living water. I take away my water supply. Root's going to dry up. Then it's just me. If I want it to be God, if I want to be faithful, if I want to have hope, if I want to have joy, if I want to have all these things, I got to go back to the word when I'm feeling that way. Come on, somebody feeling what I'm saying? We got an amen out there? How many know God is faithful? Even when the world says he won't show up. That's what they said. Back then, too, he is faithful. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel because God will be with us. Look back to the word. When you're struggling, go to the word. God is his word. You can't separate his word from who he is. You can't say God's word said that, not God. God is his word. The word made flesh. It's the same thing. I didn't say that, Mom. My voice said that through the microphone. I said that. My words are spirit and they are life. You want to be fed, go to the word. Get some word in you. Your soil's getting dry. You need some seed. You need some good seed in a good soil. You need to get rid of those thorns. You need some good word to get rid of the thorns. Go back to the word when you're feeling discouraged. Go back to the word when you're feeling hopeless. Go back to the word in all things. And he'll show up in the barn. Remember who your promise keeper is this morning. I serve a God who is faithful, and his promise doesn't change based on my circumstance. It doesn't change because I'm not happy about it. His truth doesn't change because of my current season I'm in. The Bible doesn't change because the world says it's okay now. It doesn't change. It's truth. My words are spirit. They are life. They are forever. You shall give an account for every word you spoke. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows all these things. They're forever. Ever. They're like floating out there. And God says, my word is forever. Even when all the world shall go away, my word shall stand for eternity. Joseph listened to God and took Mary to be his wife. God's with you in this journey. He's not just in the barn waiting for you. He wants to go with you out of the barn through life. He wants to be with you in eternity, and he wants to be with you now. He wants to be with you now. Go back to the world. Emmanuel, God with us. He says, I never left you. You just forgot I was right by you. Hold fast to the word, even when in doubt. Can't be separated from his word. That's the fruit of who he is. You want the fruit and the offspring of what God can give you, go to his word. Receive the fruit. The arrival of the promise is coming to a barn near you. Quit looking on the web for it. It's in the barn. Touch your neighbor, tell him, it's in the barn. It's in the barn. I'm not happy with what I got. It's because you're not looking in the barn. It's in the barn. Can you all stand with me as we close this 
Christmas season. God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. God's about to deliver a promise to some of you. It sounds good, but really, you're waiting on that promise, whatever it is, and he's about to deliver a promise to you if you stay faithful. Stay faithful. Forget, forget what they said. What do they know? They don't, have a, they don't have a Bible. What do they know about Jesus in your life? They don't. Go to the Word. Go to the source. How many times have they let you down? How many times has God let you down? Never. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll serve him more then. I'll, I'll, be, I'll trust what he says. And he's about to deliver a promise. You desire to quit now and throw in the towel, just don't quit. You can't run the race without him. Keep on running. Your children's children, their fate may be in the hands of you pulling out on a promise right now. See, it's not really about you. It's, it's about you and your children, your family, and on and on and on. See, it's a reciprocated harvest. If you want the harvest for your children, it's, a, it's about what you're planning right now. What are you planning? Like, hey, I'm turning 40, man. Life's going quick. I'm turning 40 next month. This is about my children's children. This is about your children's children. What are you planting this season? Don't abandon the promise that's going to impact your children's children. Because if you don't, someone will. If you don't stay with them, if you don't guide them, stay on course to God's promise, the world's going to come and try to snatch them up like a vulture. For real. He is God with us. The most unexpected time and place of your delivery may be the greatest. Everybody say greatest. The greatest possession you'd ever obtain. The most stanky, awful situation, place, barn. If there's animals, I'm not liking it. And God is not going to send me to a barn. But that's where I'm going to find the greatest possession of all mankind, an opportunity for salvation in a Savior, Jesus. Can I get an amen? So we're going to close a little differently today because, you know, it's Christmas. We'll still pray and everything. Some of you are getting candles. They look pretty real. I mean, not bad. You know, for a you know, beginner, beginner church, what do you call it, a new church, a rookie church, we got some candles. Hey, Amazon. Hey, it's not the promise, but you still got to go, you got to get some stuff from Amazon, you know. We got some candles. We didn't want to do fire because, you know, well, Vincent, you know, I don't know what he would do with that fire. And my kids, Taz, I know he'd be setting some things on fire. It, would, it wouldn't go well. This is our version of a candlelight service to honor the Messiah. Can we pull the lights down a little bit? We don't have control over these lights, otherwise I'd turn them off. And... See, you don't know. I've never got to stand here and see this. This is awesome. It looks good up here. You guys probably can't see it, but this is something I never planned when I said, let's do church. Never thought I'd stand here and look at this. God delivers the most unexpected ways. We're going to close singing Silent Night. Nick, if you want to come up and bring your mic, we're going to sing Silent Night together because 
in the end, this is about the Christ coming. Without the Christ, we're all dead in our trespasses. So we are so thankful this morning. We're going to say a quick prayer. If you could all bow your heads with me this morning. Lord, we come to you in your mighty name, Jesus. And we are so thankful for what you did in the least of places, the least of ways in the barn, God. We are so thankful that you chose the most simplest way to get to our hearts, that we didn't have to be a scholar. We didn't have to be a theology major. We could just come to you with a hungry heart in a barn and we could find redemption by the blood you would give to us later. We are so thankful, Jesus. Help us have a safe and healthy holiday, and we're going to do the gifts, and we're going to do those things, and we're going to have the food, but let us remember really what Christmas is about, and that is you, Jesus, and nothing else. It is about the Messiah come to redeem his people, for he shall save his people from their sins. And if everybody could say in Jesus' name as we sing, amen.